0: This is Dionne Blake-Burton.
1: Hi, this is Allard Ardois. Hi, this is Sam Tarter.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Sigma Tau Delta Midwestern Region Podcast. Decisions about the submission for Sigma Tau Delta 2024 Centennial Convention has been made. Everyone who submitted a paper should have received an email from English Convention 2024 yesterday. Thank you to all of those who have submitted, and congratulations to those who have been invited to present. You can check out this week's blog if you're interested in learning what the next steps are for those with accepted paper submissions. There, you'll also find, an additional, find additional ways for all attendees to participate at the convention. You can sign up to be a chair or a moderator, um, or you can check out all the different convention resources at englishconvention.org.
2: I was lucky enough to get accepted into Research in the Round, so if you're going to be there presenting, make sure to check that out and say hello. Sam, you're still attending, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah. I am a St. Louis native, so any excuse to go back home, visit family, I'm going to take it. But um, I do want to mention, you know, my dear friends, Danielle Parisi and Emily Palmisano, who both also got accepted. Really want to shout the two out. Very, very proud of them. They are incredible writers, incredible scholars, so... Very excited to watch both of their presentations.
0: Yeah, awesome. Convention registration begins February 2nd and ends April 6th. It will be a total of $144 to register, $25 for the luncheon, and you'll also have the option to pre-order t-shirts at $15 each. For those already registered, business attire is expected for presentations on Wednesday, you... Not sure if it's Wednesday, but it's one of those days you have the (laughs) opportunity to show off um, some school spirit and wear your school. It's encouraged that you wear society colors during the luncheon. Additionally, feel free to communicate special needs related to the Americans with Disabilities Act.
2: Regarding the Americans with Disabilities Act, I actually have a chronic disability. So when I filled out my stuff, I I specified that I wanted my hotel room next to an elevator. This is just one of the examples of something that you might not necessarily think of at first that you might need. But make sure if you have any food allergies to mention those, just because there will be snacks and food set out during presentations. And if you need any sort of like if you need to make sure that you know where ramps are and elevators and those kinds of things, they can send you specific um, materials from the hotel to help you be able to find those things better. But having been to the hotel myself, it's pretty accessible. And I didn't find um, I didn't have a huge issue navigating it. So that is lovely.
0: Um, for some food and fun in St. Louis when you are headed down there. Um, there's lots of different restaurants you can visit um, at affordable prices. Uh, you can get some sushi, um, some nice, really nice barbecue. That's a must when you're in St. Louis. Um, and then there's other restaurant chains with uh, within the hotel that might be a little more on the pricier side. And if you're looking for some... Um, Activities to do when you're not busy with the convention. You can go to the City Garden Sculpture Park It's free entry and there's a lot of cool different um, Sculptures you can check out There's also the st. Louis art museum. That's also free and of course the gateway art So definitely check those out When you're down in st. Louis now, you're
2: from st. Louis I was part of the team who helped put together food and fun, food and fun in St. Louis. So I know everything that's on there. My favorites are Dao Tien, if I'm saying that right, because I love Vietnamese food, and I love Bumbu Way, which is like this spicy, burn your throat and nose out, wonderful if you're sick soup that warms your heart. And it it has, I think it's like a lemongrass chicken soup, but it's the love of my life. And then Salt and Smoke, which I've been thinking about their barbecue since, uh, no, September, October. It's been a while. I'm excited. Your turn. (laughs) Yeah,
1: so glad, so very glad that you mentioned Salt and Smoke. That place is incredible. They have lots of locations in St. Louis, um, but that's, you know, the closest one. Um, Yeah, they have something called, like, White cheddar cracker mac and cheese Mm -hmm. is insane. It's unreal. Um, I think that's been voted best mac and cheese in St. Louis several years in a row. As it should Um, be. Yeah, this is by far, despite being a chain, it is without a doubt the best barbecue in St. Louis. I can wholeheartedly admit and say that.
2: And like walking by it, you're just,
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. the reason why it's called Salt and Smoke is that's what you smell the second that you walk in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm also a big fan of Pickle Deli. That place is pretty good. Me and my buddies have been there many, many times. Um, definitely, highly recommend, especially for like a hearty but cheap meal for sure.
2: Yeah, you just gotta pay attention to their hours because that's I I wasn't able to go because I I didn't pay attention to the hours they were open.
1: So. Yeah, for sure. And as for you know, sites for us to visit. Um, I'm very partial to the city garden. I did my senior photos there, and it's it's just, it's a lovely place. It's really nice to walk around, and uh, especially like if you're you know worried about your presentation, if you want to like read it out loud to yourself, you know, at the city garden while walking, that's a great place. I've been there many many times to work on um, projects or writings or just you know to talk things out with myself. So yeah, highly recommend that place
2: yeah I absolutely loved it. My fiance is working on a, um, a sustainability focused park here in Evansville. So when I saw that like I immediately drew towards it because city garden it's beautiful and it has all of this art and it's this community space, but it also has rain roofs and it's also like it also highlights native flowers and native trees and it's this like beautiful spot of nature right in the middle of the city. and I fell in love. I loved it. For sure was there anything else that you wanted to mention that might not even be on there
1: or? yeah yeah I was gonna bring up a couple things um there's another chain called Seoul taco but it's spelled like seoul. Mm-hmm. it's phenomenal it is like a Mexican Korean type of mi- type of mix a little bit of barbecue inspired food in there as well it's really really good they got some um some sweet potato waffle fries and like they put like queso on it and you can choose your meat and it's It's unreal.
0: On to more Sigma Tel Delta announcements. Uh, Sigma Tel Delta is excited to announce the release of our 2024 electronic journals. The 2024 Sigma Tel Delta Review and Rectangle are now available for free to all of our members. 2024 marks the fourth year in which we are exclusively offering our journal electronically. In our new shift toward an electronic journal, We have expanded downloadable options to include an EPUB file, allowing you to now enjoy reading our journals on your e-reader of choice. Um, They're now
2: accepting priority consideration applications for the Penguin Random House um, internship for this next academic school year. So that's going to be fall 2024 and spring 2025 so that's really exciting. It's a program that offers candidates the opportunity to work in the Penguin Random House Adult and Children's Division with weekly professional development programming, and you get to learn about the world of publishing. Um, it's specifically intended to provide opportunities for racially or ethnically underrepresented groups in the publishing industry. Um, but it's also just open to any active chapter members interested in learning the world of marketing or book publishing. So you don't need any prior publishing experience. You'll work remote for 14 hours a week at a pay rate of $20 an hour. Um, and it'll focus on like those marketing and publicity aspects. So to apply for priority consideration, applicants must apply to both the Sigma Delta's platform and the Penguin Random House's application. So the Penguin Random House application hasn't been given a date yet. It will be announced later. But as for that priority consideration, it'll give you a really good advantage. And that application is due February 5th at 11.59 p.m. Central Time. If you want to hear about a past student's experience, make sure to check out the Sigma Tel Delta blog to learn about Taya. Gilbert's, I really hope I'm saying her name right, Taya Gilbert's experience as a Penguin Random House intern. Are you planning on applying?
1: Absolutely, yeah. I've um, I've been applying to lots of internships recently. Um, heard back from a couple, but they're not Everything that I want. They're good, but you know, they are not paying me. So <laughs> a paid internship would be phenomenal. Absolutely and phenomenal.
2: That and Penguin Random House is like one of the big three. Absolutely. Or absolutely. big six, or it's a big one. So yeah,
1: any any connection with them, any experience with them would be incredible. My the thing that I'm interested in most is how they mentioned that it would educate us in like the marketing aspect of book mm-hmm. publishing. Um, I may be an English and creative writing major, but recently, you know, the past semester I definitely branched out into marketing. Um, I got um, an internship with a marketing communication company this past semester, and so ever since then, it's like okay, there's a whole new world of writing and a whole new world of.
2: Later in the episode, I'll be interviewing.
1: about that specifically from Penguin Random House would be absolutely incredible. So oh I yeah, definitely be applying.
2: Absolutely. I'll be interviewing Tracy Girth from my college because she's a part of our career center. So she does meetings with students with all different types of majors and will talk to them about all the different areas that they can work in and what that looks like. And then for The latest Wordy by Nature blog post was Teaching English Abroad, the Rewarding Way to Travel, which is written by the High Plains Region Associate Student Representative Jessica Shields. And she shares the three main questions and their answers she had about teaching English abroad. So I'm uh, teaching English as a second language minor, so this is kind of like a special piece of my heart. I do think that it is absolutely necessary and needed here in the state so you don't have to just go abroad to teach English as a second language but it is a lovely option to explore to get immersed in different cultures to travel and the programs that I've looked at they're they're truly not super difficult like you have to be qualified and you have to go through an application process, but they're going to make sure that you have ample time off to explore and that your, your pay is going to be a living wage and they're going to help you with placement. And I don't know, I think it's a really rewarding way to travel.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I would say it's, you know, Coming off of Harwickson recently, it's definitely something that you know for a job for you know for teaching anything like that. It's definitely something that I'm always considering for sure. It's uh, there's something about you know we mentioned taking like new experiences, new worldviews, but when you quite literally live in what feels like a different world, um, it changed your whole life and your perspective. And you know, for people like us, it gives us new stories to tell. So
2: yeah, yeah, I didn't even think about that, especially for creative writers. That's gonna be great inspiration. I mean, all of the, the authors that we still talk about in English classes today, we're constantly talking about where were they traveling to? What does, what did this inspiration come from? So that's another, um, piece that I hadn't even considered. Um, if I did not have a fiance or if I could convince him to drop his entire life, I would absolutely be doing this tomorrow. Um, I would be going anywhere and everywhere to teach and get paid for it. Um, well, teach, travel and get paid for it. Mm-hmm. So that's the end of the announcements for this month. That's the January wrap up. Is there anything you wanted to add?
1: Um, yeah, yeah. I will, you know, I will mention somebody recently. Um, you know, in the literary and creative writing world, specifically at UE, that's just been doing a bang up job, just really killing it. Um Dr. Katie Mullins, if you're listening, you are incredible. Um, all of our students, you know, we love you so, so much. Thank you for, you know, staying with us and for, you know, teaching to the best of your ability, despite everything going on. Um, you are truly, you know, the example of what it means to be successful in the literary world. So thank you for being you and for, you know, staying at UE. We appreciate it.
2: And with that in mind, all of the people listening, make sure to reach out to one of your English professors at your college, or creative writing professors, and let them know like how grateful you are for the, the path that we're given. Humanities is something that is constantly under attack and constantly in danger of being underfunded or um, with a lack of... Uh, professors with a lack of people to teach so just keep that in mind and make sure to to communicate the importance of the humanities to who you talk to and to promote your programs at your colleges Um, and then now I will talk within I will have that interview with Tracy about different English careers. Okay, so this is Tracy Gerth. You're the assistant director of the Career Center at University of Evansville. Yes,
3: the Center for Career Development.
2: Center for Career Development. Okay, awesome. Um, And you've been working there since
3: last summer? July of 22. Okay. Yes.
2: So what made you, I know before you were a teacher, were you elementary or high school?
3: I was elementary at the end. I have done a little experience in all grade levels, K through 12.
2: When you, when you were in the higher grade levels, which subject did you gravitate towards?
3: I was teaching physical education. It was, yeah, it was, it was fun. Um, sometimes challenging to get kids to do anything beyond just <laughs> you know having fun and playing games, which I was all for, but had to teach a little bit more about lifestyle and try to make it last beyond just high school years and, and just the games that we did there.
2: Right, and that's one of, like, the presumed, like, first English major career paths is teaching, so not everyone likes kids, so what we'll talk about is, like, um, what, what are the different career paths that an English major can look at, and, like, what that process looks like, what those different jobs look like. I don't know how to start.
3: Yeah, that's okay. That's- <laughs> You're exactly right, and I think a lot of students, when they start college, they believe that their degree must lead them down one particular career path, mm-hmm. And but a big thing that we try to teach in the Center for Career Development is that your degree doesn't always equal your career, so get that degree, open up the doors that are not otherwise open for you without that degree, and, you know, see what happens, and it's okay if things change along the way, changing your major, choosing a different career when you get out, and there's a lot of different things that English majors can do besides teaching. So, yes.
2: It's very strange, too, like, explaining to people as an English major what I can do because when I go talk to, like, family members or family friends and they're like, so what are you going to do? And it's, I don't know, I could do anything. I could do HR. I could do publishing. I could do teaching. I could do marketing. Like, I whatever I find really.
3: (laughs) Exactly. Yes. I think a lot of maybe in the older generation, it is you study something and that is your career. And if it's not a straightforward path, like education Mm -hmm. or physical therapy, then, oh my gosh, what are you going to do with your life? So, but it's kind of cool. I think having a major that is so broad and open that you can be flexible and go into lots of different things. And if you start something, couple of years in, decide, oh, I'm really interested in something else. It's easy to make that transition.
2: Right. I heard, a, I was talking to somebody in the business world the other day, and they were saying that as they're searching for jobs, they're finding that even like um, jobs that you would traditionally associate with a business major are looking for English majors because of the different ways that we think about things. Have you guys noticed that in the center or like in your experience matching students up with jobs or just talking to... Uh, like hiring teams or?
3: Yes, yes and no. Um, I would say like employers seem to be very open to lots of different majors. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one thing with English majors and I am going to quote a little something from our website because <laughs> I really liked it, um, that, you know, as an English major, it's it's all about words, right? So words open our worlds, right? So when we study literature, we study how human experience can be embodied in language that awakens, delights, inspires, and excites. So what employer would not want someone who can open the world for them within their company and for, you know, if it's a company that's customer front, you know, they can, yeah, pull people in. Mm
2: -hmm. And with the the different areas that literature interacts with, and what theory we work with, we're really looking at so many different areas of of thought. We look at philosophy. We look at Marxism. We look at feminism. We look at diversity. So, I think we're we're uniquely qualified to to uh, creatively think about a variety of topics.
3: I absolutely agree. Yes, you know, from your creativity that you mentioned to your ability to Mm storytell, your excellent you know not just written communication verbal communication and you know the idea of balancing your your research of your you know reading so many you know different types of literature like you said and being able to analyze that information and present written or verbally in a format that you know the rest of us can understand you know English majors are better at that and that's a role that a lot of companies, you know, hire through different positions, like a copywriter, like, I mean, even technical writers, editorial assistants, you know, lots of different fields Mm -hmm. um, that's applicable too. So.
2: So I know if I came into your office for an appointment to talk about what I would do, you would generally ask me what my interests were and then go from there. Say I'm like completely blank slate. I don't have any interests. I don't know what I like. What do you show me?
3: Oh, sometimes asking just the yeah (laughs) point blank question, what are your interests, kind of makes students freeze. Like, oh, I don't know. So just try to get them calm and just kind of talking. Like, what do you do for fun? Mm -hmm. And you know, what did you do over the weekend? Just try to get them talking, and I just try to be receptive to things that they're telling me to try to kind of pull out some things that might make sense for them in their studies and in their career path, and kind of go from there and just kind of try to give them some more insight into things that they know but maybe can't translate into, yeah, telling me exactly. Right. And um, show them some possibilities. A lot of times it's students just don't know what possibilities are out there for them. Mhm.
2: So for an English major, if I said, like, my favorite thing about being an English major was reading, what, where would you go from there?
3: Hmm. So I would probably ask some more questions. <laughs> like, what do you like to read? Most I of like
2: definitely. to read fantasy. I like seeing worlds created. And I like seeing how real world issues are put into a new environment.
3: Okay. Um, I would say you're more on the creative writing <laughs> side. <laughs> like to you read like. and then maybe you like to, do you like to put it in into writing or do you like more of the reading aspect? Maybe
2: I'm more of a reader.
3: Okay. More of a reader. So, hmm, let's see. Even talking about being a librarian or, you know, being able to interact with all those different types of literature that you like an archivist and just Mm -hmm. being around them and being able to talk with patrons that come into the museums or the libraries. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if that excites you, then sharing that with others might be something to look into. Um, Also, you know, creating some web content for a company or a library system, mm. even that, you know, that's still your chance to, to share the things that you're passionate about. So I know it's right. all some writing and putting some things together, but it's talking about <laughs> what you love. Like more mm-hmm.
2: traditionally thought of writing jobs. I feel like what first comes to mind is copywriting, technical writing, and just being an author. So from what I understand, copywriting is is like is like editing. It's making sure that publications align with a brand's guidelines.
3: Yes. That sounds sounds perfect. It involves, you know, also the, the research mm-hmm. and the writing that goes, you know, then the editing and yeah, making sure it aligns with their, their marketing and their advertising. So yes, that's certainly a good possibility. So do they not really talk about that at all in English classes?
2: In English classes, we just do English. We, we read lots of literature. We do a lot of analysis. We write a lot of papers. It's different based on what professor you have. And occasionally, I guess this is in my specific college experience to specify. This is my experience at UE. But in my experience, a lot of it is just like reading and exposing yourself to to different areas and eras of literature and connecting history to it and just learning those those skills of synthesis and analysis analysis but we don't really talk about what this looks like in a job as much the only experience I've had in a class where we talked about what that looked like is in a job, is I'm taking a digital studies course, and he created it specifically because we're seeing in the workforce and in research and in all these other ways, like the digital era of literature and what that looks like. So I guess that connects to library sciences and to researchers and to archivists in in all those different ways but that's the only experience I've had in a classroom where it felt something applicable to a job everything else is very much developing the way I think Mm -hmm. but not necessarily developing or like developing a, a, a view of a job which isn't a okay. bad thing. It just means that a lot of English majors, when they get to junior and senior year, they're like, I guess I'll go to law school? I don't know.
3: Right? That's definitely another path. But you brought up a good point. You know, since you are presented with so many different eras of writing, different types, different genres, you know, um, English majors become very social, socially aware of the difference in different cultures and different you mm-hmm. know, time periods So, you know, even something, you know, along the lines, I think I mentioned like, you know, social media and advertising and things like that, using all that knowledge that you have gained and maybe Mm -hmm. resort back to something that was really cool in the past and bringing it to the present and like re-exciting that knowledge base and that, you know, technique um, and information might be really, really helpful.
2: Um. When it comes to like preparing for those jobs, so most of what we do in class is very important and it helps create our worldviews and expose us and structure our thinking. But also when it comes to like marketing ourselves specifically for jobs, like how would you, do you ever work with students on like finding those resources or are there like any online classes you guys like, what does that look like?
3: Yes. Good question. So I'll start with this. I always try to tell students to look for opportunities. Mm-hmm. Look for those experiences. Look for those internships. Right. Any way you can try to kind of test out the water while you're still in college to see what it is you may like. Mm-hmm. You may find that, you know, oh, that was the worst few hours or that was the worst internship, whatever, that I've been through. Okay. Well, that was temporary and you didn't have to put that on a resume and show that you only held a job for a few months, it was an internship. That's a learning time, and that's great. That's how you can see what you want for the long term. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, if it was an awesome experience, internship, a lot of times those can turn into full-time positions. So um, back back to your original question, and I'm trying to remember exactly what it was.
2: <laughs> it was just, just how to prepare. So yes. I know, Researches. like... I personally know, yes, I should go to career days and I should talk to my professors and meet people and network and use LinkedIn. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All the things that students are like, oh, but yes, um, I, I just try to provide students with different resources and go through and kind of show them how to use those you know, on different websites, different... Um, just different ways to market themselves as mm-hmm. well. Like you said, going to the career days, or if I know of an employer that's emailed us looking for a certain type of student, different majors, then, you know, I can provide them that information. But yes, it's, it's pretty cool when I work with a student and give them the resources and they go, wow, I didn't know that. Oh my gosh, that's exciting. Like I had one yesterday morning who is an alumni from, Actually, back in the 1990s, had graduated <laughs> and wants to make a change of her career and, you know, redoing her resume with her and, you know, providing some of the resources, talking about LinkedIn and how to utilize that since about 95% of recruiters use LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. It's a big thing. And she left very excited about the possibilities where she came in like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, right. I need a change. But so that that makes me feel good and excites me that I was able to provide some resources, you know, for her and then she can go work on it. And working with another student right now who is out of the country where she did her master's, graduated from here as an undergrad and, you know, working with her. So overseas international is not my expertise, but trying to just help her find some resources that could help her find what she's looking for there.
2: So what are those resources more specifically, or what can they be?
3: Okay, yes, definitely using LinkedIn. So show students how to do some job searching there, as well as making connections to be able to follow certain employers that Mm -hmm. they're interested in and kind of see what, you know, if their mission kind of aligns with that company's mission. And kind of reading some of the posts kind of helps give you a sense of what's happening in that company and if you want to be part of it or not. Um, we also use Handshake. Mm-hmm. That is um, something that students here at UE are automatically entered into this platform where there's over 1,400 colleges and universities and over 750,000 employers associated with this. That's a good place, especially for current students and those who have just recently graduated because there are a lot of entry-level positions listed on Handshake. Because it is associated with colleges, universities, mm-hmm. so those entry-level positions, internships, a lot of filters you can put in to try to narrow down and get something that you like. Um, we have what's called the True Talent Personality Assessment. Yes. Yes. And I think you did that twice. Back. Twice. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yes. So. I always tell students no assessment is ever going to tell you what you must do for Mm -hmm. your career, but I think it is helpful in opening your eyes to some things that you've never thought about Mm -hmm. and kind of pulling out where your strengths are and where kind of your areas of challenge or those blind spots that you maybe knew about, but they point out a little bit more, so you can try to address those and figure out maybe how to um, overcome those. And make sure that you don't look at a career or a position that that's going to be a big part of it.
2: Now, is that assessment something specific to
3: UE? That is an abbreviated form of the Myers-Briggs assessment. Okay. So I think there are other universities, other places that use the true talent, um, but students are required... See, We have an access key that they have to use. It's not something they can go on and do free just out in the public, but if you have the access key that we provide, um, we have even prospective students do that, Mm -hmm. come in and have those conversations. Some courses here at UE require students to do that. So it just kind of helps them, you know, beyond taking the assessment, coming in and talking with one of our three career coaches is – I feel like more insightful than students realize when they first come in. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's, I have to do this for an appointment. But then when they leave, I feel like the majority walk out feeling like, oh, that was pretty cool. I got to talk about myself for an hour and, (laughs) you know, maybe found out a little something more that they, you know, hadn't thought about.
2: So if I didn't know what the assessment was, what is it? What is the true talent assessment?
3: Okay, so... The popular, and I don't know, the year that it started with the (laughs) Myers-Briggs assessment piece, but it breaks down into four aspects of your personality, so starting with introversion, extroversion, so, you know, how you work with people, and if you prefer to be, yeah, more in that smaller group, or if you prefer you can get your energy from being around lots of people. And this was an area that I actually figured out more, even working in this position and stopping and thinking about it, that as a teacher off and on for several years before I came here, I would kind of come home exhausted and Mm -hmm. not really wanting to talk with people and my family for a bit, till I could just have some quiet and peaceful time. And, you know, looking back, so I fall on the introverted side on that scale with the true talent and you know i love talking with people i love being around others Um, but i prefer that smaller group setting Mm -hmm. the one-on-one and that's what i get to do here at ue so i love making connections with students and families that come in so this is more fitting to me and that's something that i talk about with students it's about finding what's right for you right so
2: what feeds your energy then, rather than drains it.
3: Exactly. <laughs> you got it. So, yes. And then we go into the other three aspects as well. I don't know if you want me to go into those. or Maybe briefly yeah. if you don't okay. mind. Not a problem. <laughs> so the second is sensing and intuition. And okay. this is about how, how you take in information. So basically how you learn. Mm-hmm. So sensors learn more by using their their senses Mm -hmm. the hands-on approach but they can see feel touch and learn that way and very practical as opposed to intuition is more imaginative and they're more accepting of theories and just things that have been proven in the past that they can just accept a little bit better Um, sensors also think more about the present first as opposed to intuitives think more about the future first So, and I know all college students think about the future. That's why you're here. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But sometimes that can be overwhelming to focus so much on the future and not be able to live in the present. Right. So that can be troublesome. I did have one student that said, I already see myself out there in my career. And, you know, what she was studying, uh, that it's hard for her to do her schoolwork right now. Oh Yeah. So. Yeah.
2: I think there are a lot of people like that.
3: They're like that that why do I have to do this? I'm mm-hmm. already out there and I'm ready to go. But unfortunately that's not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> so, um and the third aspect then thinking is thinking and feeling. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, kind of looking at, you know, how do you make decisions? Mm-hmm. You know, um Thinkers are very logical and can said to be maybe brutally honest sometimes, which honesty is great, but sometimes thinking about that approach. And so then feelers think more with their heart and adjust things based on how people around them will take it. Mm -hmm. And um, they can be said to be, you know, take things too personally and be too emotional, so that's one that can be an area of conflict sometimes with roommates and things like that in college. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a good one to have a good good medium balance, you know, on each of these aspects. If you're kind of in the middle, that's okay. That's That shows your, your balance, too, of each of these areas. And everyone can do things on both sides of the scale and, you know, be fine. But there's usually an area that... Or direction that you prefer to be and you go to first. So. Right.
2: So, if somebody was more on the thinker side, maybe more business and then like feeling side,
3: maybe more like community focused? Yes. And even like nursing okay. and all the health sciences. Mm-hmm. So, yes, if I have a student come in that is, you know, in the nursing major and they are all the way to that left side on thinking, um, we just have a conversation. Mm -hmm. not ever telling a student that they cannot do something that they are studying and passionate about. But I, you know, I talk to them about what their experiences have been in healthcare. And if they've had someone, you know, a nurse or a doctor that has approached them and kind of just jumped straight into brutally honest about what's going on with them or their loved one and how they accept that. Mm -hmm. And they're like, Oh, so kind of think about it for a minute. I say, well, you know, that's where you have to kind of, maybe it's not your comfort zone to go on that feeling side. But if you give that patient a little time and attention and get to know them and hear them out, work on those good active listening skills, then then they want to know the facts. But you have to take a minute to...
2: Right. So this assessment isn't even necessarily showing this is where you're fit, where you fit. It's even showing you, like, based on the job that you chose, this might be something that you have to pay more attention to.
3: Yes, exactly. Very good. The last category of the personality assessment is judging and perceiving. I don't like the word judging because it (laughs) makes you sound like you're judgmental. I don't really see it that way. It's about the structure of your life. Okay. So those on the judging side prefer to have that work before play mentality, complete one thing at a time, very structured, like to know what's coming next and what's expected. And, you know, those are the ones with the planners and the highlighters and kind of keep everything just so. And then there's those um, on the perceiving side that I'll say I'm personally... I don't know, jealous of sometimes the world that they can kind of take things as it comes mm-hmm. and adjust quickly and easily, um, spontaneous, and jump into lots of different things at a time, and then may realize, oh, no, I didn't, didn't complete that because something <laughs> distracted them and got in the way. So, um, so those are the four aspects of the personality assessment that we do. One other assessment that I use um, is on onet.com, and that one is more interest-based. Okay. And both of these assessments will list different career paths to consider at the end of the assessment. So and neither one of them take very much time, so it's kind of fun to to use those with students just to get some better ideas of what they might like to do.
2: Right. Okay. And then if I was looking at, like, so when I think of careers, they're usually split into, like, two categories. It's, like, community-focused, humanities-type stuff, and then business. And then English can do either. So if I wanted to do more business, I would think um, copywriting or content-creating or marketing. And if I wanted to do community-focused or humanities, maybe... That would be author. Maybe that would be teacher.
3: Maybe even in human resources.
2: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. A good one there. Working at a museum. Okay. Okay, that makes a lot
3: of sense. I'm just, like, watching it all... It kind of fit together. And fit in in my brain. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think just going back to some of the great skills that English majors are gaining without kind of stopping to think about it that would lead them into other great career paths that they haven't considered. So, you know, I've, I've mentioned about the storytelling and creativity. Um, really that communication piece keeps coming back because, you know, all leaders need good communication skills that are mm-hmm. verbally and written, and that's going to be something that's applicable to so many different positions within you know, about every company. So, um, and your ability to research, Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of different things need, you know, like a, a paralegal, and we talked about a, car, a copywriter, excuse me, that need to be able to research and use that information to move forward. So um, English majors a lot of times have a good attention to detail and ability to organize information, again, so people can um, comprehend what they're trying to say, and I think that's really important. And let's see... Critical thinking. You know, you, English majors look for the meaning behind words. Mm-hmm. It's not just written down or spoken. They're like, okay, I need to look into it more. So I think that critical thinking aspect is something else too that is a great skill that English majors are gaining. Right. Yeah, I think that's one thing that as
2: I've started to explore, like talking to past English majors that are now grown and in their own career and like how they use it and why they chose that. I was talking to Andrew Carter about his, and I never would have thought he was a creative writing major in college because he's like a director in in a whole section of the college now. Um, for anyone listening who doesn't know who Andrew Carter is, he is a uh, is he an assistant director probably i'm assuming he's an assistant director he works in our center for innovation and change and i did an interview with him for humans of sigma delta so hopefully sometime soon we'll see his quote pop up but he talked a lot about how like with creative writing he learned to storytell and he got to keep that passion of his and oh I was right he is the associate director for the center of innovation and change thank you very much um but he talked about how like with marketing he comes at it from the mindset that he is just telling people stories in a way to to share the amazing things they're doing and to get other people interested so I had never applied it in that way and that's been really cool and then I've also never thought of myself as a a project manager or a planner but that's what I do every single time I write an essay and every single time I do a group presentation and so looking at these different like nonprofits in the area and making those connections I do feel confident in saying yes I am qualified to do those different things and that's been really cool.
3: Very good yes absolutely the project management yes you've learned organization and just balancing and yeah, your time management skills that go into into that role. So, yes, absolutely.
2: I get emails from LinkedIn all the time where it's like, you're interested in this. You should take this class on what of Do you guys ever look at those and see which ones are worth it and which aren't? Or like, what's that? Squarespace. Do you think about like, what should people
3: do or... I recently listened to a webinar Mm -hmm. that was sponsored. It was about LinkedIn. It was by someone who used to work for LinkedIn, but no longer does. Okay. It was really helpful. And some of those courses you have to pay for on LinkedIn, but there is a way through, through LinkedIn and connecting your library that you can get those for free. Interesting. So you can come by and I can I can show you that a little <laughs> bit more because I'm still kind of learning more with that. There's so much on LinkedIn that I didn't know was possible and and on AI starting to use all that kind of stuff. That's a whole other conversation, right? Right. <laughs> but um, but yeah, ways to utilize both of those to the best of yeah. I think a lot of English
2: majors, now the AIs come in, it's at least based on who I've talked to, I think a lot of us are scrambling, not necessarily in the worry that it's going to take over our jobs, because an AI can't think like we do. They just can't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I think a lot of us are trying to figure out how to use it, because if we know how to use it, then... So I'm, like, constantly looking for all of these different classes, so... Okay, well, I think that's all I wanted to talk about. Okay, well, thank you very
3: much. This has been
2: fun. (laughs) Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Oh, and for anyone listening, there is also, I noticed on the Sigma Tau Delta website... On their blog, there is an English careers blog series. I haven't looked at it a ton, but I saw that there was specifically... I talked about the Teaching English as a Second Language blog earlier in the episode, but there's also just different ones, so another way to explore would be looking at those blog posts, seeing about what people have posted before, and getting an idea of what those jobs look like based on um, the person who wrote those, the authors. Um... Thank you so much again. Yes, you're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you for listening, everybody.
2: See you next month. Bye.